Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, hello again. You know, when Bruce made that comment about senior citizen, I just want to say I resemble that remark, okay? So... Most of you didn't even get that, did you? Okay, that's okay. Um, Well, it's good to be with you here today. I'm Jim Del Campo. If you're with us for the first time, I'm the senior pastor. And uh, if you're watching us from home, welcome. Uh, We are um, in this series on uh, love by association. It's on love, but practical aspects of love. Today, I'm going to talk on love. Love unifies. And... um, It's something that is very dear to my heart, and um, as first service knows, I'm going to say a few things today that might offend a few, um, but they're just true, um, and if it offends you, then maybe you need to reanalyze the, un- the untruths that you might have been buy- bought into by the culture. But as a follower of Christ, I feel a tremendous responsibility as a pastor. I've been a pastor of New Beginnings for 29 years, started this church out of my home back in 92. Um, but I've been a full-time pastor for, um, well, I told my wife the other day, 36 years, 36 years, and, and who said, whoo? <laughs> Started when I was 13, and, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I really do feel, I was talking to Steve Mason, one of our deacons in the AV room, and I was saying, I just feel a real responsibility, um, I felt like late, last year during the pandemic, God really spoke to my heart, looking at all the insanity out there in the culture, that I felt like God spoke to my heart and said these words. He said, you, you have been brought forth and you've learned all these things to this, and you've gone through all these hard times for such a time as this. And though I don't have a massive audience that I get to speak to like some people do, I still have a really good sized audience. And, um, you know, And honestly, only 35% of our church people have come back to church. 65% are still watching us online during this pandemic. And that's a little tough. But it's what it is right now. But I feel a great responsibility. uh, And then when I have three granddaughters now, I just feel a greater responsibility to speak truth uh, uh, of God's word because the world that I see them possibly growing up in, it's like, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? And there's a lot of things that are just upside down out there. And I mean a lot. I mean a lot. Um, so let me, let me begin today with Love Unifies. Um, as I look around, and I, I'm fascinated, and yet I'm disturbed because I have granddaughters. Um, and you have kids, and you're disturbed by it too. But when it comes to unity, I think we all want unity. Do we not? You want unity in your relationships, in your marriage, in your families. We want unity in the church. We'd like unity in our country. We're like, we, 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 we really crave unity. But what's interesting to me is there's been a redefinition of the, the idea of what unity is, correct? Because unity, it used to mean that you and I can look at something totally different, disagree with each other, and yet still love each other and be friends, right? We could do that. That's what unity really is about that we don't get hostile and angry at each other, that I have to force you to believe what I believe. That's not, that's honestly, 
When somebody gets very hostile and angry because you look at something a different way, understand this, and this is what you need to understand. That person cannot be dialogued with because though they may be 25, 35, 45, physically, intellectually, emotionally, they're about eight or nine years old. And if you can understand that, you'll understand this world because you have a lot of little boys and girls who never grew up. Their parents never forced them to grow up emotionally. They're stunned. Or it was a broken home, a fatherless home, whatever it was, and they never grew up. So they grow up angry. And now you see the results of, these, of a broken society. Any amens on that? And so when you don't agree with them, all of a sudden they say, well, then you must hate me then, since you don't agree, which is ridiculous, right? That's just, and so that's the new definition of unity. You have to agree with what I say, or else you hate me. And that's just not true. Because you know even as married people, if you're married, you can't even decide, you guys fight over where to eat on Friday night, am I right? Amen. You, th thank you for that amen right there. I mean, you can't even agree on that. Do you hate each other because of that? No. Or you think, and I told you this before, if your 9 or 10 year old says they want this or want to do that, and you don't know, that's not going to happen, that's wrong, and you say no, um, does that mean you hate your child? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It's just you still love your child. So they're taking the definitions, they're tweaking it, twisting it, turning it, according to the culture, in the way the culture's thinking, and it's wrong. Can I tell you what cracks me up? And it really does crack me up. I think it's funny because how many are like 50 and over? It's okay to raise your hand. We're a dying breed, aren't we? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Not many of us left out there. <laughs> but... Uh, Bad, Jim, bad. You're bad. But uh, this is what cracks me up because people want unity and I don't care what side of the aisle you're on politically, but I've lived long enough to know that whoever goes in the White House, they always promise, you always hear these words, oh, I'm going to bring the country back together again, I'm going to reach across the aisle and we're going to have unity. How many have heard that so many times from so many different sides, right? Never going to happen, guys. Never. Let me tell you why. Haven't you ever watched the State of the Union Address? That's comical right there, isn't it? Well, whoever's in power, they get to say all this stuff, and the other side just sits like this, right? There's not going to be any unity, because let me tell you the truth. Because even though they say, I'm going to reach across the aisle, let me tell you what it really means. It means, I'm going to share with you what my agenda is, and you better buy into it. The other side's not going to buy into it. No, they're not going to do it. And so to think that they're going to bring unity, no, they're not. And the country's split in half, one way this way, one way the other way, uh, politically, morally, and so if you think it's going to bring unity, no, 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 they're really not. So you can give up that that idea because I, when I saw Christians post, oh, now we're going to have unity. Really? We thought that four years ago, twelve years ago, sixteen years. No, it's, that's not going to happen, guys. Just to be honest. What we are being set up for now, this is my strong opinion, is where we're set up for an antichrist. Are we not? We need someone like that to come and set things straight, bring people together, because we know Jesus said there'll come a time when there's uh, civil unrest, there's no way out situations within countries and then country to country. So we need an antichrist to come, which thank God as a follower of Christ, we won't be here when he gets here. Amen? Amen? Thank God we'll be long gone on that one if it happens in our lifetime. So it's being set up for that because these are no way out situations. Now, <clears throat> I, um, I, um, I, I've done a lot of funerals in my lifetime. I've done 
I'll do another one next week, this Friday coming. That'll be seven in like seven weeks. Um, uh, very few of them are COVID. Most of them are something else. And uh, I, I performed one Friday over at Fairhaven in Santa Ana. Uh, David Carter used to sit right out there, second service in that area. Tall guy, 6'6", six, six, in that area, passed away. It was sudden, heart attack. Uh, I got the call. We, had my, my, we took my wife out. The kids did to breakfast. I got the message from Austin sitting over there. That, what's going on? And so I rushed to Riverside Community Hospital, and they had to let him go. And uh, so I performed the funeral Friday. And a lot of great things said about David. And, but one guy came up, and I, and I listened closely. One of his friends came up, and he said these words. He said, Dave, he said all these good things. And he said, Dave and I butted heads politically. And then he said, but we loved each other. I thought, what a great message, huh? I go, that'll preach. Because everybody's making everything about politics these days. And they're drawing sides even in families. Let me tell you something about that. That's stupid. It's your family. You're to love your family. Quit being a child. Grow up. But I thought, that guy's got, he's on the money. You can agree to disagree and still love each other and still be great friends and still respect each other because you're created in the image of God. Any amens on that? Look, we live in a fallen world. You better get that one in your head every day. As you look out there, that's the problem. There is a real devil it's a fallen world. This is not the way God created it to be. This is a fallen world. And so that's why there's so much turmoil. And it's only going to get worse. But when it comes to unity, love unifies. Unity is the idea that you can agree to disagree. And I still love and I still respect you. And we can hang out. Amen? Amen. And that's what it should be, because that's what it's always been. But the new definition is, if you don't agree with me, you must hate me. Yeah, that's a lie. It's a lie. So let's hold that thought. Love unifies. And let's go into our key verse for this series. And I want you to read it with me. I'm count to three. Read it with me. Everybody, here we go. One, two, three. Isn't that great? Greater love is no one than this and one laid down his life for his friends. What's Jesus who said that? What's he telling us? That love um, is not just words. In fact, it's not words. It's action. And if you're not sure about what the actions are, uh, in 1 Corinthians, New Testament letter, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 through 9, you'll find the action terms there of what love is. See, love, according to Jesus, you lay down your life for somebody else, therefore means that you put, take the person next to you and you put them in front of you. If you need definition for that, you go to a New Testament letter called Philippians chapter 2, and it says that you are to look at everyone as more important than yourself, and then he lists the Jesus qualities after that to support the statement that that's what Jesus did, because that's what true love is. And I, I'll say this every time, if you're not ready to die to yourself, if you're selfish, and you're dating somebody, you're engaged to somebody, would you please break up with them? Because so, otherwise, break their heart now before you really break it bad later, because you're not ready to get married. You're not ready to lay down your life. You're not ready to be the, the man or the woman that you're supposed to be in that relationship. You die to yourself and you live for the other person. Now, our tagline is this. It's when love meets inconvenience. One, two, three. 
And love is very inconvenient, is it not? I mean, true love is very inconvenient. Because it's never like, oh, it's so convenient to love you right now. No, it's very inconvenient. And that's what love is all about. And that's what Jesus did. So today what we're going to do is this. We're going to look at John chapter 17. If you have your Bibles or on your phone. Um, but first I'm going to do a couple of preparatory um, observations within that chapter. And then I'm going to break it down in three points about what unity is all about, what Jesus is saying here. So let's look at John 17 first, 14 to 17, first preparatory idea. And that is this. I have given them your word. Now, by the way, this is Jesus praying to the Father. So we get to listen in on the heartfelt prayer of Jesus, who is God, praying to the Father, who is God, because there's three persons, one God, and you get to hear what's really going on in the heart of God in this prayer. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, meaning the disciples. The word hates them because they're living the word of God because they are not of the world. Now listen closely, because this pertains to you, follower of Christ. Even as I am not of the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the, say, evil one. Very important statement there. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Then he adds, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, I find it fascinating that in that short interaction of prayer there, Jesus, um, he connects, uh, uh, guard them from the evil one, the devil, and then sanctify them in truth, like they're combatants, like here's the devil and here's the truth. They're, they're fighting against each other. Now, that is real when it comes to love unifies and, and thus division in the world if you don't love. Because you think about the devil, you think about truth. All you have to do is flash back to Genesis chapter 3. Remember Genesis 3? Adam and Eve, how many remember that? Okay, so she's at the tree and the devil starts to di dialogue with her and he says, uh, and she says, oh, we can't eat from the tree. God has said we cannot or we die. And what does the devil say? You know, God is right. He's true. Does he say that? He says, no, Eve, God's a liar. That's not true. Come on, Eve, God's holding out on you. The day you eat of this... God knows that you're going to be like God deciding right and wrong. You get to decide, Eve. You get to call the shots of your life. Now, she believes his lie. And she negates or walks away from the truth. And what happens next? She eats and then they sow fig leaves. Now they're divided from each other. And then they jump in the trees to hide from God when he comes. And now they're divided from God. You notice that? Once they jumped out of the truth and they went for the lie of the devil, the evil one, now division comes into play in their marriage, in the relationships, and the relationship with God. How many see what I'm saying right there? So there's a combatant nature right there between truth and the devil. He does not want you to ever read this. And I will be honest and say, if you as a follower of Christ do not read this regularly, you, I guarantee you have about a thousand lies you believe in your head. Just that simple. Because you're not God. And you need what God says to govern your life. As a follower of Christ, you have made the proclamation that Jesus is the shot caller of your life. Now, so we need the truth of God's word to walk in unity. The devil comes in, tries to distort God's word, make it look like a lie, and his result is we're going to divide. That's the first 
thought I wanted to put forth. Now, the second part, I'm going to read verse 22, 23, and just ask a question, then go from there. And it says this, the glory which you have given me, he's talking to the Father, I have given to them, them as the disciples, that they may be, say one. One, okay. Just as we are, say one. Mm, interesting. Verse 23, I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. Say unity. There it is. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Those are big, big statements. Very simple, but deep, deep meaning right there. But here's my question. He wants us to be one. One in what? Unified how? What, how do we unify ourselves as a body of believers? What's this all about? I'm going to give you three things he points out in these verses, and I'm going to maneuver these things in certain ways that hopefully helps you to see some things, maybe make some course corrections in our lives. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's up to you. Because either way, whatever you take it, I'm still going to go home, have lunch, and have a good time. Any amens on that? No, verse, the point one. Point one is this. What are we to be one in? First off, we're to be one in purpose. Now watch verse 18. It says this. As you, Father God, sent me, who's Jesus, into the world, I also have sent them, that's the disciples, and us into the world. Now, the word sent there, hagias, it's a, it, means, um, it means we get our word mission. Our mission now we find as followers of Christ is we are sent into the world to reach the world, this culture, the people for Jesus Christ. Amen? Oh, man, you missed a really good time to say amen. Amen? amen. Okay, good. That's, that's our mission, okay? So, when I stay close, led by association, when I stay close to Jesus, I keep the mission at the forefront. Have you ever noticed, be honest, how easy it is in your life in anything when you have a specific purpose or goal, how easy it is to get sidetracked? Anybody? You get sidetracked for days, months, even years in your life. And then one day you wake up and go, what am I wasting my time on? Because I'm all sidetracked on this stuff. Some of us forgot how, why we fell in love with each other. We got to get back to that again. We got to get back to the main thing. So we have this problem in that we don't keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing, the main purpose of why you and I are followers of Christ, why Jesus Christ came to earth is reach lost people. Reach lost people. That's what we're here for. And he says if we kept that in the forefront of our mind, guess what? We wouldn't get sidetracked in all these crazy issues out there. We are here for a purpose. Okay. I've thought a lot about what I'm going to say next. And, and, and just be honest, if you don't know me very well, I, I really, one of my favorite things to do in life is to think. Anybody like that? I like thinking. Anybody? Raise your hand. I just want to know. We need to start a, a small group, just us, okay? Because we understand each other, all right? I really, I love thinking. And when I have time to think, oh, man, I'm in heaven, man. Jim, are you weird? Maybe, I don't know. But I like thinking. And I've thought a lot about what I'm going to say next. Months and months and months and months. <clears throat> and let me preface it by saying, uh, I'm going to do this series in, in August. Every year in August, I do a Go series. It's a challenge us to think about reaching lost people again. But this year, I'm going to call it like the other side of COVID or something like that. 
right? And when, everything I'm going to say right now, please don't write me a card and say, well, you don't believe COVID's real? Really? My wife was in the hospital 11 days, guys. She still has long-term effects. Don't tell me I don't think COVID is real. It's as real as it gets. We're still dealing with it. So don't tell me that. But let me tell you the other side of COVID. I started to make some analyzations and realizations. I'm looking at everything and, and I began to realize, and this is the back, this is how Satan used it. It started to do real damage and, it, and I believe it was used by the devil to try to kill churches. I just do. And to kill uh, the dynamic uh, abilities of the Spirit of God coming forth out of our lives individually to be the church on fire for God. Let me tell you three things I observed, and I'm going to do a whole series on this later on. The first thing it did was, was put fear into everybody. I mean, didn't they pump fear? Pump fear, right? So all they did was, oh, fear, 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 fear. I got so tired. Did Jesus ever tell me to be afraid? He never said, Jim, you need to be afraid today. He never said that. He always said, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And I was not going to walk in fear. I refused it. Because Jesus didn't tell me to do that. Now, what was the fear all about? Now, I want you to think now. Because the fear was, well, I could die. Right? What, did, did death just get invented last year? No, I'm being honest. I'm not being facetious. Hasn't death always been with us? Couldn't we die anytime we get in the car, get on the freeway? Couldn't we get a bad report from the doctor giving us so much time, right? Death's always been here. All of a sudden it's like, oh no, I could die. You could always die. But here's my problem with that, or my good news with that. Didn't Jesus say he conquered death? Didn't he say those followers of Christ, we live forever? So I get nobody wants to die. I don't want to, but I'm not going to walk around and fear death. And by the way, I've made the decisions throughout the years of my life to set my wife up in a way that if I died, the things are in place, she'll be okay financially. I've done those things. I follow the Word of God. I follow His principles. And I've done those things so I don't have to worry about her. She'll be okay. And our kids know enough to take care of their mama. I think if, if she passed and I lived, they wouldn't take care of their daddy, but they'll take care of their mama. <laughs> they'll probably put me in a home. Dad, we'll bring you a burrito once a week, but see you later, okay? But I don't need a fear. I don't need a fear. I'm not going to fear death because I believe in the one who conquered death, the resurrection and the life, Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing right there. But, they, but they, pump, they pump fear into our lives. I refuse it. The second thing in that, with fear, then they move to isolate, 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 isolate. Really? I thought Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he's, now they're telling, no, no, don't go anywhere. Don't do this, don't do that. Well, Jim, don't you think this is, stop, 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 stop. Don't give me a rebuttal. Just tell me you haven't read through the New Testament yet. <laughs> go just read Hebrews 11. And go read what these people, men and women of faith, did, what they faced, what they had to do, and how they were suffered and did this and this and this. Don't go tell me how bad it is here. Read what they went through. And they kept pushing the gospel. 
But they tell us, isolate, isolate, isolate. How many people died in those hospitals never hearing the word of God? You ever think about that? That should keep you up at night. Isolate, no, no. That's why at a certain point last year when they said shut down again November 1st, I said, we're opening up. I'm not closing, I'm not closing. No. And you know me, I'm not a rebel against government. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I've already seen Christians. I've been in a few conspiracy theories with Christians and then we end up looking like idiots because it doesn't pan out. And don't tell me about the pastor out there in some obscure place. You need to watch this, what he says. Save it, okay? Save it. And then what they do? Then they said, you know, muzzle yourself, wear the mask. And I'm not here to argue for or against the mask. I wear the mask because they say to wear, okay, I don't care, I don't care. I'm not going to let a piece of cloth stop me from church or I'll get mad and I'm going to rush the government over that one. I wear the mask because I choose to love other people. Is Christianity about you or me? It's about others. If me wearing a mask makes somebody else more comfortable, guess what? Wear the mask. I'm not going to fight that one. <laughs> if you want to make a big deal about the mask and use all this energy, take all that energy, take all your anger, whatever it is, and go out and change it to love and go door to door and share. If you want to waste your energy, okay, go do that. I'm not done. I'm just joking. See, <clears throat> but they said wear the mask. Have you ever noticed how we don't talk as much to each other with the mask on? No, has anybody noticed that? Yeah. And yet they asked John the Baptist, what are you, who are you? He said, well, I'm not this, I'm that. He goes, well, what are you? He goes, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. He says, I'm a voice. What are you and I for God? We're a what? We're just a voice. We just share the word of God. We share good words to people. We're bringers of the good news. But they said, no, muzzle up. Muzzle up. So they put fear in us. They isolated us. Muzzle up. Can anyone see the satanic aspect of that? It's totally satanic. And once again, I'm not saying COVID isn't real. It is real. But I don't believe in all the percentages and the fear and everything else they're all throwing at me. I'm sorry. I just don't buy it, okay? It's just not who I am. Do I enjoy the mask? I hate the mask. Anybody go to the gym? You have to wear a mask. It's the worst, right? Then they tell me to wear it over my nose. And you wear glasses and you're fogging around fogged up. <laughs> feel like I'm in Kentucky in June, you know? <laughs> Let me tell you, all this led to a few things. It led to this too. And I've heard this, these statements. A lot of Christians last year, they've become lazy, complacent, and fearful. It's fact. It's a fact. They have neutralized us. They've taken away the power of the Spirit out of us. People ask me, are we going to go back to three services? We can't. Why not? Well, I can't get my children's workers back to, to minister again. They're all terrified. Can't do it. There's a lot of things we can't do because they've crippled the church. They've paralyzed us. And don't write me your rebuttal because it's going to 86, Okay. We're complacent. Oh, you know, Jim, I, I'm just lazy now. I just want to get watching my pajamas. I, I, it's hard to get up. Well, thank God Jesus got up on Easter Sunday, huh? <laughs> 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 
Yeah, you don't want to hear that. I think we've been bamboozled. These early followers of Christ were dynamic in their faith. They were not fearful. They walked in the face of fear. And they shared that gospel. And they went in and they got involved and they served and they did it. We cannot be a local body that becomes complacent and lazy. We've got to get up and do this. We can't buy into what the world, the culture is telling us and feeding us. I hate looking at the newspaper. I hate watching the news. I can't stand it anymore. And if that's what you're getting all your, all your mental ideas from, I feel sorry for you because this should be the guide right here. I'm just telling you. And by the way, those of you, I just, it's just hard to get up. I like watching my pajamas. Question, what if everyone's Christianity was like yours? What if everybody lived it like you? How strong would the local church be? I'll go here. What if everybody served like you do in the local church? How strong would we be? What if everybody tithed or not tithed like you? How strong would we be? Oh, now you're real quiet, huh? I'm just saying, okay? I'm just telling you it's in the Word of God. No. So are we, we are one in purpose. Our job is to reach this world for Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. And when you keep that purpose, you're not going to get sidetracked, and you're not going to stay united. You could disagree with each other all you want in here, but this is the purpose. And this is what we do. The second thing Jesus says is, we're to be one in God's Word. Oh, here we go. Look at verse 17 to 21. He says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth now stop hold I gotta say something right now here's a great sidebar if anyone ever asks you oh how do you know the word of God is true how do you know the New Testament is true because Jesus just said it was did you read that no did you read that and I just taught a whole series to you on how there is evidence historically that the tomb was empty both Christians and non-Christians state this in those time frames that the tomb was empty it's a historical fact. And I taught you in that series that this universe started at a certain point. Secular, not Christian, but secular scientists, they have discovered that it had a beginning point. Time, space, and matter started, therefore, a timeless, spaceless, um, immaterial, super powerful being kickstarted this thing from nothing into something and created everything so that it's so fine-tuned that it can support you and me on this planet. Isn't that wild? The evidence for a God is there. And therefore I believe it. And this Jesus, the evidence historically, the tomb is empty. And if he rose from the dead, which I know he did, therefore whatever he says is true. And if he says this word is true, then it's true, man. And I'm not going to let somebody else tell me who has never risen from the dead that it isn't true. Okay, that's my high horse. Now let me get the point. Okay. So the Word of God. If you want unity, then you need a guiding light. Do you not? Something that everybody agrees with. Okay. <clears throat> I grew up playing sports. I grew up loving to watch sports. I feel sorry for referees. Don't you? <laughs> they have, listen, listen. They have to make a split second call and everything's moving so fast and there's so much pressure and everything's wrapped around all that and they gotta make a call and you know it's, it's like that fast they gotta do it it's kinda like being a police officer isn't it oh 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 
I am so sick of everybody complaining about police officers. Why don't you go do their job? See what it's like. You have to make a split-second decision in a hostile situation. And we sit here and we complain from 2,000 or 1,000 or 3,000 miles away like we were there. Tired of it. Let me segue, come back to my referee illustration. So I was at the coffee shop where I studied. Some of you have spotted me in there. I can tell by the way you look at me. <laughs> and whisper. Um, a police officer came in about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Female. And I always try to catch eyes with police officers. Nice eyes. And I said, hi. She goes, hi. I go, how are you doing? She goes, good, how are you doing? I go, good. And then I said basically these words to her. I said, um, let me just tell you something. I'm for you guys. I'm for you guys. I appreciate all you do. I'm not for all the people bad-mouthing you guys at all. Because all those people that bad-mouth you, if someone's breaking into their home, guess who they're going to call? Not Ghostbusters. <laughs> they're going to call you. They complain about you, but they're going to call you. And I've told my wife this, if Corona, I live in Corona, if they ever defunded, I'd be moving out of that city in a heartbeat. If that, you want to do that, I'll move in an adjacent city that's not going to defund. I said, I'm for you guys. I'm with you guys. Her eyes watered up because you don't know the pressure they feel and how they're bad-mouthed and how they're treated. And as a follower of Christ... Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but such as proper for edification. Who in the world do you think you are? You're going to call them when you need them, but then you're going to badmouth them? Don't ever do that. Don't let me catch you doing that. I'll get somebody bigger on you, okay? <laughs> but here's the thing about the Word of God. Referee. Nowadays, when he makes that split-second call and it's who knows if it's right or wrong, now they have the replays. Huh. How many of you know the replay is important, but would you just get on with the game? Sometimes it's just like, wow, we've been on this 10 minutes now. How many angles you got to look at it? Well, I think that maybe that... Oh, my gosh. But they have that so they can make the exact right call. Isn't it great to have a replay that you can go back to? And, and now we can change the play. Right? to get the right call. What if you could have an errorless, perfect, unbiased referee, I'll take it to marriage, in your marriage when you're fighting and they can come and say, you're wrong. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? We do have an errorless, unbiased, perfect referee in our lives and if you would read it, you would find out what it says and sometimes it's going to look at you and go, you're wrong. You're wrong. See, the Word of God, we're to be one in this Word of God. Now, now somebody's going to have to ask this question, and that is, okay, Jim, what if 
I'm in this disagreement with, what if, let's say, what if I'm married to a person who's not a follower of Christ and we're in disagreement? They're not going to follow the word of God. What do I do now? I don't know. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> well, let me tell you what you don't do. You, you know you cannot force them to believe what you believe, right? You can, no, you can't force anybody, right? Say right. That's another problem in the culture, huh? You ever heard, of, you've heard of cancel culture now, right? Boy, they're really nice. What does cancel culture do? Well, if they don't agree with you, they try to shame you on social media. You know, those million people out there try to shame you when the other 330 million of us could care less. I always think, you have nothing better to do? Let me tell you, they try to shame companies, shame individuals, because you're not lining up with what they think should be. Let me tell you something right now. Does Jesus ever force you to believe anything? Or do you get to choose? You get to choose, huh? This is gospel. You get to choose. It doesn't force anybody. And where does shame come from? Garden of Eden, chapter 3, once again. Adam and Eve sin. He's promising, oh, you're going to have a higher spirituality. Nope, once they sin, it goes down the tube, and now they feel shame, and they cover up. They divide from each other, divide from God the Father. Shame always leads to division. Shame is from the devil. Cancel culture tries to shame people. That's of the devil. It's that simple. It's just that simple. I wish the companies would not bow. I wish they wouldn't bow. I wish they'd stand strong. Because most of us in this country, we're still going to buy their products. I don't care what somebody down the street puts on social media. Who do I care? Or buy their product. If I like it, I like it. It's just that simple. Now, you can't force anybody. If you're married to somebody, they're an unbeliever, or somebody's not agreeing with you, they're an unbeliever, the Word of God is not going to guide them. What do you do? How do you find peace and unity in that? Well, let me give you a, a one verse, and there's many verses. Let me give you this one. Romans 12, 18. It says, um, if possible. Say, if possible. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. When it starts off with if possible, Paul says this about having peace with each other. Does that mean it's always going to be possible? <laughs> no, no. Some people ain't going to see it your way and they're going to get pretty mad, huh? So it's not always possible. But it says, but as far as it depends on you, follower of Christ, you could still operate in peace. You could still operate in love. You don't have to jump into the bandwagon of hostility and anger and screaming. And you can walk away in peace and be in disagreement with them, then disagreement. They can walk away angry all they want. I don't have to walk away angry. I don't have to be angry. But I can state what I believe is true here and walk away from it. So you may never find true um, peace with somebody, but you can walk away in peace. I, do you follow me on that one right there? Because that'll give you, you don't have to, it doesn't have to resolve itself all the time. Some people will not see it the way you see it, whatever that it may be. Now, so the word of God should be the guiding light. The third thing about being one is uh, one in our witness. Now, this is why everything's so important as a local body of believers. If we're going to win anyone to Christ, this is why it's huge. Verse 22 and 23 says this. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be, say one, just as we are one, say one. I in them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity. Say unity. Wow, that's interesting. 
here it comes, so that the world, the culture out there, may know that you, God the Father, sent me, Jesus, and love them even as you have loved me. Whoa, do you see what he just said? He said that when we walk in unity, and unity is not having to agree with each other, it's the ability to agree to disagree and still love each other and walk in the purpose and the will of God. Any amens? Okay, good. But when we do this thing right, the world out there, they'll see that there's a real God. He's alive. These guys are together. See, a fighting couple, a fighting marriage, a fighting church, a fight, that's evidence to other people that there's no God. How could there be a God? Look at you. You say, claim to be a follower of Christ. All you guys do is fight like crazy. But when we come together as a body of believers, whether it's your marriage, whatever, and we move in the right direction together, and we don't agree on everything, but we move in the right direction of God, the world says, there must be a God. There must be a God. Now, this only happened to me once in that it was spoken to me. Uh, I'm sure it's happened many times, but I'm going to show you the story. It happened 24 years ago. We were a mobile church. We used to meet at Auburndale Junior High. Our first offices we rented back in 94 was on Maple Avenue in Corona. Two, three years later, we needed bigger office space. We moved across town, our offices, to California Street in Corona, right there where Home Depot is Sam's Club back on that street there. We were still meeting in schools. We met in schools till March of 2005 on Sundays. So I asked guys in the church, come and help us build. We need to build a couple offices in this warehouse. And so guys came. And we built two offices in about 10 days' time. One of the guys who came to build was kind of a long hair, blonde, long hair, kind of a long past the surfer days, but still had his long hair. And he helped build. And then he made an appointment with me after that. I said, sure. Comes into my office and sits down. We shoot the breeze for a while. And then he says this. It must be real. And you know, because I'm so discerning, I said, what must be real? And he says, you know, I've I've been around guys working together, construction sites, different things like that, and they never get along. But I watched you guys. Everybody got along. Everybody liked each other. He said, so it must be real. And then my strong discernment gifts kicked in. You know, I realized he's been sitting out in the church for like two, three months listening to me, and... He's not a Christian. That's how powerful a preacher I am, right? <laughs> what convinced him that there was a God was that we got along with each other. And that's something that the world may know. That the world may know. See, as, as the followers of Christ, local church, we have to come together. Oh, we're not going to agree with each other on a lot of things, but we can agree on the main things. Amen? And when the world sees that, they're going to know. Now, listen, listen very closely.
The culture tries to divide us. I'm convinced of it. I'm a big Charles Barkley fan. Have been for years and years. I don't watch much pro sports anymore. I watch UCLA college basketball. That's my, my deal. But it's funny for me that if on TNT, where they have that pregame, halftime, postgame show, I'll watch that, but I won't watch the games because I love to watch Charles Barkley and Shaq go back and forth. It's great. But Charles is, if you listen to Charles Barkley, he's a little rough and crude, but he's pretty smart. I don't agree with him on everything, but if I've listened to him for years. It's like, I tell him, this guy is wise. He, he sees it. He sees it. And he made a statement, I guess, a couple weeks ago on, on TBST. I, di I didn't catch it, but I read about it. I read it. And he said this. And, and I had come to this conclusion last year. Not, I'm not trying to act like I know more than him. I think he probably saw it before I ever saw it. And I think many people saw it. He said, let me tell you something. He goes, black people and white people, we get along. We get along. He says, but it's the politicians. And he said, Democrats and Republicans, all they do is keep pitting us against each other. Oh, they get richer and richer and richer and richer. And that's a fact. And they just keep inflaming us and inflaming us against each other to try to get the votes and they get richer and richer and I'll throw in with the politicians I'll throw in the journalists too all they do is inflame that's all they do so I just quit watching it I'm not going to let that in my soul and that's all they do and he's right and he's right we get along we get along we cannot let the culture come in and invade our thinking, our hearts, our mentality, because we have to walk the way Christ had us walk. Now let me tell you how we keep online. Stay with what I just said, stay in one. Here's how we do it. Um, David, you know David, he's, he became the king in the Old Testament. One day his father, you know the story, his father sends him to the front line there in the Valley of Eli because they're supposedly fighting Goliath. They're not fighting anybody. They're just scared. He says, here, take these you know, these uh, chile rellenos to your brothers at the front line. <laughs> or something, you know. He gets there, and, and Goliath makes a mistake. Because Goliath is taunting, and the mistake is, oh no, why did you say that in front of David? Because, you know, David's like 17, he just had prom last night. And he says, what did that guy say? How dare him taunt the armies of the living God? And then David says, what would be given to the man who goes and kills that guy? Now, Goliath is over nine feet tall. David's 17. And when his brothers hear David say, what will be given to the man who kills that guy? <laughs> his day, and they start, the brothers start, they come in on David. They're pounding him. They're putting him down verbally. You just came to make fun of us. And, that. and they're all divisive. And they're creating havoc. And they're getting angry. And they're getting loud. And David just calmly says, all they did was ask a question. There are so many people in this world, you ask them a question, they get nuts, huh? You better not be one of those people. What does David do? Here's what he does. Watch me. His brother's talking to me. He goes like this. So what will be given to the guy that kills that guy over there? What did David just do? He says, I'm not going to get caught up in this. I'm not going to get up, caught up in crazy and angry and loud. This is the mission. I've got to kill that guy because he's the one who's stopping 
Israel. He's the one who's putting God down. I've got to take that guy down. And he did. See, we've got to quit listening to all the, 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 the screaming. The, stay on the mission. Last thought, last thought. So, um, in Matthew chapter 6, New Testament Gospel, Matthew writes this one event where Jesus says, Hey guys, um, why do you worry? Why do you stress? And how many of us walk around stressed all the time? Jesus says, What are you stressing about? I take care of you. I take care of you. He says, Don't I feed the birds? Now, the birds got to go look for the food, but God put it out there. You got to go do something about it. And then he says, Look, the, the things you stress about, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, he says, that's what the world stresses about. That's what the culture, they're all stressed out about it. Not you. Don't do that. He says, what you do is, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Now listen to what he said. Seek first the kingdom of God, then all these things shall be added unto you. This is where we get confused. We take and make the goal everything. What was the goal in that? What you eat, what you drink, what you'll wear will be given to you. Oh, I like that, yeah. God's going to give me some stuff. That's the goal. No, don't get caught up in that. Get caught up in the object. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then that stuff's coming. The series is called Love by Association. Get caught up in God. Get caught up in Him. Keep Him number one. Stay in the Word of God. Walk according to the purposes of God. Keep Him right there. And don't make all the goal of stuff, number one, because if you do, you're going to get sidetracked. Right here stays right here. And you don't have to worry about all the stuff because God will take care of you. Because you're making God number one. That's where we miss it. We make the goal the big thing and then make God the object the little thing. Switch it. Make God the object the big thing and the goal the little thing. And if we do that... then we'll stay on task. Then we'll stay on task. We'll reach this world for God. We'll start to serve. We won't be fighting amongst ourselves because we can agree to disagree and love each other. You're not going to offend me if you look at everything differently. <laughs> I'm going to go and eat a sandwich and be happy. I'll still love you. I'll still love you. I hope we all love each other. Yeah, I'm concerned for my granddaughters in this world. I want them to grow up in a different world than I'm seeing evolve right now. And I think you want that for your kids too. The Christian church, the local body believer, it's the best thing going on the planet. It's the best thing going on the planet. It's us. And we can influence correctly. Correctly. Amen. Let's pray. I'm done. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever landed on whatever ears today, I, I pray it challenges us. We're not to go walk around with what we feel or think of it. Because contrary to the Word of God, what we feel and think is irrelevant. We're to walk in the Word of God, period. And I pray we do that. Let's get back to the purpose. Let's get back to the reason. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.